morning, everybody. Welcome to uh, Ridgeview. Like Ben mentioned, we're, we're so glad you're here. And uh, we're in the middle of a series called The Usual Suspects. You can see there on the screen, also in your program. Uh, we'll get to that in a moment, but I just wanted to uh, just give you an update. Yesterday, the, the women gathered and had a great uh, time at an event that really looked at how to be generous uh, this season. And here's some pictures from the event. Uh, the reason I bring this up is oftentimes we talk about events and then they happen and then nobody knows what happened if you didn't go. And so if you're a man, this is what happened. Um, and if you didn't go, if you're a lady, I encourage you, these opportunities are to encourage uh, the events that we have been, uh, what he just mentioned. Uh, our goal at Ridgeview is not to fill your calendar uh, to make your life just busy. Um, I'm sure you're busy enough, correct? Right, you're so busy, you can't even open your mouth. Ah, so much going on, right? We, we have a lot going on in life. But there is something, like Ben mentioned, when you get outside of the Sunday morning, it actually does something where you connect in a different way. All the experiences that you have, uh, in addition to what we do here, really does, uh, in a way, compound and multiply uh, relationships, encouragement, growth. And so I, I just encourage you, as you can, uh, sign up for things. See what God does as you get outside of your comfort zone, as you also decide to commit to something. As you do that, you'll, you'll find that you'll grow. We try to do things that make sense also for people who are unchurched. And so this season, as we enter, and there's gonna be a lot of things going on, I want you to consider uh, the unchurched people in your life. Uh, we'll have many events that they can come to for all different ages and stages. And this season, people are actually really open to coming to church-type functions. And so you might wanna consider who's people in my life. It might be a coworker, it could be a neighbor, it could be a family, a friend, that I can invite and begin to think through that person and, and pray for them. I pray for them uh, just this coming week that God would give you the courage to send, to kind of get your, your position so you can invite them uh, to what we have going on. So just wanted to give you an update on that. Uh, I heard the gals had a great time. Our very own Lindy led the, 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 the women in decorating a ornament. And so uh, thank you for all who attended. Thank you for all who helped. I think that was a real, a real blessing. Uh, we're continuing, like I mentioned, our series called The Usual Suspects. And uh, each of these characters uh, represents a foolish strategy that you find in Scripture. Now, have you ever done something in your life that you would consider was foolish? It doesn't matter how old or young you are. We can look back and say, you know what? That was not smart. And if we dig a little bit deeper, okay, that wasn't wise. If we dig a little deeper, okay, that was just maybe stupid. I did something stupid. And then maybe it was foolish. And here's uh, the effects of that. And if you debrief on bad decisions, oftentimes that can be helpful. Uh, you don't want to beat yourself up, but it's helpful to see, okay, I made this bad decision, which led to this, which led to this. It impacted this person, which impacted this person. Uh, that's the ripple effect of life. Uh, we live in a cause and effect world. What we do uh, has consequences. And in scripture, uh, what they do, uh, what, what God's done through his revealed word is given us always these case studies and templates and categories to think in. And folly or foolish tendencies is one of those main categories. And in this series, we've been looking at these five characters that show up in the Old Testament that represent different foolish patterns and strategies. Uh, they're personified. These are the usual suspects. Like if you get into this pattern, you tend to do uh, certain things. And so I'm just gonna highlight kind of where we've been from left to right. If you'll see, this is kind of like a lineup of suspects. And uh, each of us probably have a favorite that we tend to do. Um, my attitude tends to run in this track. My choices reflect this fool. Now, uh, this doesn't mean that you're stuck and you can't change. That's why we gather in Jesus' name. It's because it's in his power 
that resurrection power that we just sang that we can change. But it is helpful to identify, I, I tend to kind of go a certain way. There's certain patterns that aren't helpful. And so we, we kicked off the series looking at uh, Lazy Larry here on the left with the, the yellow shirt. Uh, his fallish, or fallish, I just created a new word. Um, his, his, fall, his foolish tendency, is like, am I speaking Hebrew right now? Uh, his foolish tendency is uh, the fun way. And so, no, it's not. I'm totally, that dorked me up. His is the lazy way, okay? Lazy Larry. <laughs> good morning, everybody. Welcome to Ridgeview. There was a ladies' event yesterday. It was really good. Okay, Lazy Larry, his way is uh, laziness, the, the life of ease. How do I choose and make my decisions so I can kind of get away from my responsibilities, look for the magic key in life? That's where we, we began. Uh, next to him is controlling Connie. Controlling Connie uh, likes to control situations and circumstances. And so you can just take a step back, look at the first two. Do I tend to struggle with laziness in my life? And maybe if not, do I tend to struggle with liking to control people or situations? Has that been something that, that I've seen in my life? Are there patterns there? So those are good two questions based on those two words. Uh, the week after that, the middle guy there is uh, the fun way uh, fool, uh, drop the ball, Doug. And uh, Doug just wants to have fun. He wants to experience pleasure. He wants the good life. These type of people tend to get into addictions. These type of people tend to also drop their responsibilities, but they do it in the name of experiencing the good life. This is like that yellow, like you only live once, you gotta make it count. But that can lead to a lot of problems too. So you could see just laziness, first character, control, second character, fun, third. Now, how many of you would say like you can identify with one of those three? Anyone? Yeah. Like we probably all can identify with one of those three. Last week, uh, the, the damage of these types of fools kind of went up a notch. And uh, I'll explain that in a moment. But last week, we looked at Spotlight Susie there with the cell phone taking the selfie. Her way is the glory way. She wants praise. She wants attention. Now, those other fools that we've already looked at, those three characters before her, they create a lot of damage too. But when you get into self-praise and praising yourself over God, you run into actually deeper problems, more impact. The cracks in your foundation of your life are, are deeper and there's a lot of damage. And so we've looked at that. And then today, we're getting really to the worst type of fool there. He's kind of in the shadows, you can see. And that's today what we're talking about, nefarious Ned. This is actually the, the predator type of fool. This one actually enjoys harm. And we're gonna talk about this character. Now, uh, today's gonna be a little bit different because I'm sure in your life and in mine, you probably have experienced predators before, and you might have even be damaged and hurt by them. There might be some of us you can recognize, like I do get into certain situations where I actually do wanna harm people. You maybe identify that, but this sermon is a little bit different because of the degree of the foolish tendencies and the damage. A lot of this sermon is really how to uh, stay on guard, how to protect, and I want you to think in terms of your life, your family life, and also our church. This type of fool, we actually have to be on guard against. And so this is gonna be kind of partly how do you move past these tendencies and then how do you guard against it? It's a little bit different. Uh, because of the nature of the damage, this is something that actually as a church body, we're commanded to be on guard against. And so we'll talk about that uh, in, in a moment. And so this is nefarious Ned. Now, uh, nefarious is a word that we don't use a lot in our culture and uh, you might not know what it means, but this is what it means. Uh, nefarious is to be flagrantly wicked or impious or evil. 
And so there's no way around it. The strategy of this type of fool is to cause damage. Now, that word damage is very important. If you've been here for the series, uh, we've talked about how these foolish tendencies come out of three heart problems. And these heart problems are sad. The first is they're selfish. The selfishness, those are the first three fools. The lazy way, the controlling way, the fun way. Spotlight Susie comes from the second heart problem, which is not just selfishness, it's arrogance. That's that self-praise. You, you put yourself at the center. And then nefarious Ned comes from the third type, the D. So selfish, arrogant, and damaging. Again, this heart problem causes the most havoc in life, in relationships, and everything that this, this fool uh, touches. Um, we're actually commanded in Scripture, Jesus himself in the New Testament, you see this, to be on guard against these type of people. Matthew 10, 16 uh, this is Jesus getting ready to send out his disciples. He says, behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of who? Wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Very interesting. I'm not sending you out to you know, preach the gospel, to help people in the middle of just a bunch of sheep. I'm also sending you out to people who will come against you. Wolves are, are predators. So Jesus is giving a, a, a warning. You, you have to be on guard, and he says to be a wise as a serpent. The idea is to kind of know what's happening. If you look at a serpent, like their, their head is always on a, like to, to see what's going on. You have to be wise. Don't be naive. But at the same time, you have to be innocent. So you can't then get into the wrong mode in being wise as a serpent. You also have to be innocent as a dove. There's pure in your, in your motive. You're checking your heart with the Lord Jesus. Uh, Paul had a similar perspective uh, to new Christians as the, the gospel was spreading in the book of Acts. This is actually a, a warning to the church as well. It says in Acts 20, verse 28, pay careful attention to yourselves and to the flock. This is to leaders. It says, in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Verse 29, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Now notice at this point, the wolves are actually not on the outside. Where are they? They're on the inside. They are among you. They're in among you. So it echoes the same thing that Jesus said. We actually have to be on guard for these type of fools. We have to pay attention. We need to know that there's this category that exists in life. We all know that there's evil. We can see it. But the way that you combat evil is with the righteousness of Christ. And so Christians, what we have to do is we continue to have to band together and say, you know, we have to stand against evil. First off, in our own hearts. That's why we deal with series like this. How do we grow in the own folly that we have inside of us? And then how do we help other people grow? And then how do we band together to make sure that we're, we're being on guard, we're being wise and innocent, you know, at, at the same time. And so this category uh, is something that exists. It's something that was in Paul's day, was in Jesus' day, and, and it exists today. There's, there's things that are happening in our world, that are being led by the evil one, Satan himself, to stop the work of the church, to stop the work that God wants to do in your life, in your kids' lives, in your family, in your friends, in our community, and in our country, and around the world. These are real issues. There's a spiritual battle and a reality that often we don't see, but is happening. And when you dig into this type of category of predators that come against us, it makes you realize that oftentimes there's a lot going on that you can't see. Now, even as I'm talking, you might feel like a little bit of fear. This might bring up things that you've experienced in your life. 
But we remember that, that we're not to give in to fear. And the reason we do so is because we have the power and the strength of the living God. He is the one that gives us wisdom. We don't have to generate it ourselves. As we turn to him, as we look to him and surrender and say, God, I need your help. I need discernment. I need to understand what's going on. He will actually grant you wisdom as you do your due diligence to get to know him, to spend time in his word. So I wanna encourage you, as you're working these things out in your own heart, dealing with your own folly, God will also give you wisdom and discernment with others as well. And that will serve your family, your life, and our, and our church. So let's dig into this specific fool, the Nabal. That's the Hebrew word that shows up for this predatory fool again and again in, in scripture. Uh, the attitude of this fool, again, we look at the attitude, characteristics, way of life. The attitude is, is merciless. Uh, they don't wanna give mercy to people. Uh, their characteristic is they're ruthless, they're atheistic, and they take joy in others' pain. Uh, the key of this atheistic tendency is important because if there's no God and you're a predator, then you really have license to do whatever you want. You set your own moral code. In a way, you kind of become God. You determine what you do and how you do it, and there's really no accountability. So this type of fool is blind to the realities of the things of the Lord. They don't think he exists. Therefore, they can do uh, whatever they want. Not all atheists are Nabals, but all Nabals are atheists. You can't get into this type of life and do so knowing that there's a God. Again, that, that they're blind to these things. The key tool to this type of fool is, is pretense. And that's why you have to be wise because you don't always know what's going on. You can't necessarily believe what they say or what they do because they tend to be in the shadows. They tend to be behind working their plan. Isaiah 32, this is where this uh, fool shows up. You can see the word there. The, the fool, uh, Nabal, will no more be called noble, nor the scoundrel said to, said to be honorable, for the fool speaks folly, and his heart is busy with, what does that word say? Iniquity. His heart is busy with sin. To practice ungodliness, to utter error concerning the Lord, to leave the craving of the hungry unsatisfied and to deprive the thirsty of drink. Now, if you read that scripture, does that paint a pretty vivid picture of the type of person that this fool is? There is no way that they're looking to help people. They're, they're scoundrels, as the scriptures say. They're busy with this sin to practice this ungodliness and then to utter error concerning the Lord. That is that they'll speak actually what is false, false teaching. Oftentimes this, this happens even in the church. Uh, we've talked about animals in this series, how animals kind of represent, uh, just as an analogy, another, uh, the, the, the type of fools that we've been looking at. Uh, we've looked at peacocks, we've looked at possums, we've looked at badgers, the dodo bird. Today, this fool is the shark. Now, what's interesting about the shark, I've never seen a picture like this, but does it kind of look like the smark? Uh, the smark? I'm gonna learn to talk. It might be second service. So you can come back if you need him to make sense out of this, okay? Uh, the shark, does it kind of look like it's smiling? Yeah, it, it, it is a little like smiling at you, but that, that's the idea, the pretense. I'm a friendly shark that's gonna attack you. Like even if you saw this in the water, you're not gonna think like, this is gonna be a good day. That shark is so friendly. That would not to be wise as a serpent. That would be very foolish of you to think that because sharks 
aren't there to be pet, petted. Is petted a word? You know, just help me, guys. Yeah, th- thanks. We got our own thesaurus here, the Ridgeview Thesaurus Dictionary, pronunciations. All right. But this is the, that shark. Now, things about sharks is that they also hide beneath the surface. They're an excellent predator. They do their job well. They wait for the most opportune time to attack. You can't always see them. And they will take you out. Now, this shows up in popular culture too. Uh, not predators, but, I mean, not sharks, but, but characters like this. In fact, uh, many of the shows that are popularized, popularized. <laughs> Dear Lord, help me to talk in the name of Jesus. Amen. Wow. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to use first grade words, okay? <laughs> All right? Uh, shows exist with these kind of characters. Now, what's interesting about these shows is that they're very popular. And they, they actually are enjoyable in a way that sometimes can mess us up. They're shows that exist that you learn about these characters and you can actually become numb to them to not realize, like, wow, that is a totally like, predatory way of life. Uh, one of these shows is, is House of Cards. I don't know if you've ever seen that show. Uh, House of Cards is is really a show about these types of fools. It takes place in politics. Uh, Kevin Spacey plays uh, one of the main characters. Uh, Check out this quote. This is Frank Underwood. That's the character he plays. It says, for those of us climbing to the top of the food chain, there can be no mercy. There is but one rule, hunt or be hunted. He exists in his world in American politics. And his role is to get as high a position as he can. And he has a plan. And he has people that will help him with his plan. And if the people can no longer help him with his plan, he disposes of them. And his wife is actually on his team in the same way. Here's a quote of hers. Let's make him suffer. So not only let's have a strategy, but let's, again, do all that we can to ruin this person. Now, what's interesting, this actually happens in real life. This happens in politics. Anytime that there's power involved, there's money involved, there's success involved, that somebody's future is dependent on the position that they get, this happens in all sorts of organizations inside the church and outside the church. And it's sad. So what happens is Satan gets a hold of people and he just takes them down this path and there's more darkness, there's more blindness. And what's very interesting about this, Kevin Spacey himself, this is where the show in real life, he himself was accused of 30 different counts of sexual assault. The person. Very interesting. And you see that. Some of the most successful, powerful people in our world also have a lot of crimes that chase them. And some of it could be true, some of it's not, we don't know. But we do know that there tends to be a lot of problems that catch up to these types of fools. Now, it may not be immediate, but it catches up eventually. And the promise that we have, especially as we deal with unjust people and evil people in our world, locally and abroad, is is that we know, even in this life, if it seems like they get away with it, they will stand before the Lord Jesus and they will be judged according to his justice, his righteousness, and his goodness. And he's the only one that can handle what is appropriate for these types of evil people. And so that's where you, you trust God on this end when we, we sometimes don't know all that's going on. Here's the predatory way approach to life. Uh, these people are, are two-faced. They're intensely selfish and stingy. Uh, they're very harsh verbally. They're cruel. They're inwardly plotting evil. One of the things I want to just say about uh, the, the words, I don't know if you've noticed this, if you've been able to listen to each fool, but each fool struggles with the different aspects of their speech. 
If you really wanna grow in the Christian life, one of the areas you wanna look at is your speech, how you use your words, how much you speak. What do you speak when you actually talk? What are the words that come out of your mouth? Uh, the, the way you say things like speech is really tied to the core of who we are. Because the scriptures say, from the overflow of our heart, the mouth speaks. So you wanna know what's going on with people? Listen to them. Oftentimes it's, it's in their words. Uh, inwardly plotting evil, they spread error about the God of the Bible, they squirm out of debts, they may be in the religious profession, and they prefer win-lose. It's not win-win with them. Now, as a pastor just walks right through, maybe in the religious profession, that should give pause. Very interesting. A Nabal predatory fool is atheistic, but they will seek leadership and influence in the church because of the power they can have. So this is something that we, we have to be on guard against. Oftentimes what happens with this type of fool, they wait till a church becomes big enough that they have the influence and the power and the resources they want, and then they can, they can come in and somehow take over to get power. I've seen this. It happens. It happens in, in businesses as well, but it does happen in the church. It's very interesting. They don't actually believe that God is real, but yet they'll find their influence in the church. That's part of the enemy's strategy. He wants to derail. He wants to crumble. He wants to, to, to blow up. So now you know these approaches, these characteristics, the, the, the key tools of pretense. Look back at Isaiah 32. You'll see it on the screen. I've highlighted it there. So this, this fool is, is not noble, and the scoundrel can't be honorable. But then notice what they do. There's people that are, that are hungry, and they'll just leave them hungry. There's people who are thirsty, and, and they'll just leave them thirsty. It's the idea of, like, there's somebody who's in great need, who needs help, who needs someone to come alongside them, who needs love, who needs concern. And this type of fool gets actually kind of an enjoyment at seeing somebody in that situation. But that's, that's evil. And people like this exist. And that's why we want to be generous type people. And when you commit yourself to the Lord, he's always calling us forward to extend ourselves for others, to love people. Why? Because some of that actually deals with our heart, which there's a part of us where sometimes we see people in need and we just wanna turn a blind eye. And we have to be wise about how we help people. But our heart should, should lean towards compassion more than it does judgment. But this type of fool, it always is, what is better for them and how they can work out what they want on their terms. So let's talk about how to move beyond this. Again, you may have harmed people in your life by things that you've done, by things that you've said. And again, by the power of the Lord Jesus, you can change. And so for this fool, the key is this. You have to turn to Jesus and receive salvation in a new heart. For this type of fool, it takes a radical conversion. Like, it's not like read a book and get help. It's a predator. They need to change. And actually, all of us, because of our sin, we all need to change. There's no self-improvement, but especially for this type of fool, they have to bow their knee before the Lord Jesus and surrender and say, I cannot live this way anymore. Ezekiel 36, it says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. This is talking about this, 
that the people of the Old Testament, and this is connected to prophet Ezekiel, and he's commanding that this new life will be given. But notice this analogy of this heart of stone. Well, that really does describe this foolish tendency. Like their heart has no flesh to it. It's just built on getting their own way. So when you decide to follow Christ, you're replacing that heart of stone and the sin that's plagued us and the wrong desires and the wrong attitudes, the way we manipulate people, and you receive a new heart. Now, that doesn't mean that change is overnight and it's immediate. And we all know that. If you've decided to commit your life to Christ, you know that many days you wake up and it's a battle. It's the same with this type of fool. There's gonna be a battle that still exists. There's these desires that are gonna rage. But over time, you can see it's this, the spirit of God that moves in you. That's the power that comes from the gospel. And you look at our world, you look at all that's happening. And it's so easy to be discouraged and depressed and just down by just the evil that we see. But this promise in Ezekiel is really the only thing that we can put our foundation on for the world. It's, it's, it's that people have to turn to the Lord Jesus and their life has to change. And so if you've never decided to follow Christ, here, here's a prayer that you can give. This is a, a prayer of, of surrender. If you could put that up on the screen for me. Do we have that? It says, Lord, I admit I am a sinner. I need and want your forgiveness. I accept your death as the penalty for my sin and recognize that your mercy and grace is a gift you offer to me because of your great love, not based on anything I've done. Cleanse me and make me your child. By faith, I receive you into my heart as the Son of God and as Savior and Lord of my life. From now on, help me live for you with you in control in your Son's name. Amen. That's a prayer of salvation. It's a prayer of surrender. To the predatory fool, they have to actually shift from them being in control, believing that there's no God, to putting God in control, that he's real. He sent Jesus to forgive them. And it's only by his forgiveness that they can be cleansed. This type of fool, it takes a lot for them to get there, but what God is doing is he's working sometimes when we can't see it, and you never know. That's why you pray for people. Even people that you can see, man, they have these sentences. Pray for them. Pray that God will soften their heart and they will turn to him to experience forgiveness, to make things right that they've wronged. And if you've never decided to follow Jesus, you can make that decision today. Become a Christian. That will be one of our next steps. And so uh, for this type of fool, you, you, you have to become a Christian to change. Uh, you, you can't just receive help and tips. Uh, you need a new heart. And that only comes from following Jesus. Uh, the second is to become a compassionate giver. I'm gonna read a scripture in a moment in Colossians, but uh, the, the shift for this type of fool is, is you have to move away from just looking at how you can take things from people, uh, how you can manipulate people, how you can get what you want from people. Uh, that's easy to do for all of us, sometimes at a really low level, but we can have strategies for getting what we want. That's at the root of foolish tendencies. But for this type of fool, they're always thinking what they can get, never what they can give. And so what flows from a new heart that you get from the Lord Jesus when you become a Christian is that you become a compassionate giver where you move from taking to giving. And this is the call of the Christian life. Why can we do that? Because Jesus himself gave his life for us. He did not take, he gave. And because of that, we can give as well. But notice just these themes 
of this kind of putting off, taking to giving in Colossians 3. It says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Again, he's saying like, God will deal justly. He's the judge. Verse seven, in these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. So hold it right here. You can see this list. Paul is writing this. He's the same who was speaking in Acts about the fierce wolves. He's saying you, you have to identify these characteristics that can exist in us. And notice the list. There's sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires. This passion is, is not like a passion for the Lord. It's, it's a passion to please yourself, to take advantage of people. Evil desire, to covet, which is to worship idols. The wrath of God is coming. And then you gotta put away anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. All of these things, so it's like a, a checklist. These are the things that, that cause problems in our relationships. These are things that, that block our relationship with the Lord Jesus. So we have to pay attention. And then he goes on. It says, do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. So the idea there is, again, part of that compassion is you see like we are all one together connected. I'm not looking in terms of power and influence, how I can get what I need from others. I'm looking at say, in Christ, we are all together and we're one. Everyone has value because God has created them. And because people have value, I will not take advantage of them. I will not manipulate them. I will not lie to them. This is the command for all who follow Christ. The scripture goes on. It says, put on then, again, this is the shift. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. So you replace all of the lists that Paul's described and you put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. You could spend probably the next couple of weeks just working through this Passions in Colossians and you could gain a lot of insight for your life as I could for mine. This picture of the reflection I see in the mirror that doesn't reflect the things of God, and I have to, to ask him to change me from the inside out. And then the picture of the things that do reflect the image of God. These are the things that God wants to grow. But this list right here, this is what it means to be a compassionate giver. The way you look at people, the way that you treat them, the way that you respond, your expectations of them, the way you handle, again, your words, what you do with your time, your priorities. This is the way of the Lord Jesus. This is the basic pattern. It's this constant battle of putting off the things that don't reflect the ways of God. So for me, oftentimes when I wake up in the morning, it's, it's a new day to surrender. God, thank you for your mercy that you've given me today. With your mercy, God, help me to reflect your ways in the way that I speak, in the way that I think, in the way that I act, in everything that I do. And then usually about 9 a.m., I have to pray that again. And then maybe about 10.30. And then noon if I'm hangry, you know. It just, it, it's ongoing. And you know what happens? The next day I have to do the same. The Christian life isn't you, you pray a prayer, you become a Christian, and then it's set. 
It's a battle for the rest of your life. God, I have to keep putting these things off in my heart, the sad heart. I have to keep putting on the things that reflect you. It's just like getting dressed. You can't wear the same clothes, but each day you have to change. And that's what you do in the, in the, in the Christian life. And so I, I encourage you to, to think through this. So becoming a Christian, again, we talk about inviting people. We talk about sharing the good news of Christ. Why do we do that? That is the only way people can be saved. There's no plan B. There's no plan B. You wanna see the world change? People have to come to Christ. You wanna see your family change? They have to come to Christ. You want to change? You have to come to Christ. It's the only way. There's no plan B. So we have to shift from wanting things to change to actually being part of it. And so we have to be willing. I'm willing to stick my neck out there and encourage and share the good news of Jesus with others. Many people don't know the truth. They don't know what Jesus did. They may have a vague sense if they're an American, they have a vague sense of, of what we celebrate at Christmas and maybe at Easter, but they don't know. Oftentimes they can't just intuit and understand. They have to be told. The gospel has to be, to be shared. And so think through that yourself. And then, and then just that Colossians passage, just think through, okay, God, what in there do I need to focus on? And just pick one. What's something I need to put off and what's something I need to put on? Uh, in your listening guide, that scripture is listed out so you can spend this week, take that home with you and just pray and begin to think through those things. So that's a couple things for you to do. Now, I wanna just end with what we need to do as a church because we are commanded to guard against these people. So we've talked a little bit about what you do if, if you're struggling with these things, but then how do we guard against it? And so uh, I think this is on the, the PowerPoint, how to guard against uh, predators. I've, I don't think I've ever spoken probably about this uh, clearly, but in, in scripture again and again in the New Testament, there's warnings to to leaders of the church to be on guard. Uh, if you know that pastors are oftentimes called a shepherd, have you heard that description before? Uh, well, a shepherd has a staff. And like any shepherd, uh, it's not just to walk like Gandalf-wise as like this like symbolic uh, stick, right? Uh, actually, a staff was used to beat off predators, to attack them if, if they attack the flock. And so the idea is there's leaders in the church that our role is to keep watch of and protect against people that are these types of fools. Now, what's interesting is that they can be in the religious profession, so we also have to make sure that the people who are our leaders in the church aren't these types of fools. And you've probably seen stories, you may have experienced yourself, when the wrong leaders who are evil get into positions of power, they destroy. And so guarding against who becomes leaders is one of the most important roles of the church. Leaders set the culture, but they also care or not for the people. So leadership is very important. One of the things that we're working on as a church is how do we make a clear pathway uh, for how you become a leader at Ridgeview? As you know, we're a five-year-old church, and you start off like, God, send us people. Dear God, please, just send us people. But then you get to the point where you're like, God, send us a leader so we can keep growing and expanding. But you always are, are just the tension of the needs that you have and also people who are ready to lead. And there's a tension there. And so what, part of what we're doing as a church is ironing out. How do we help people become leaders? How do they know uh, the kind of character that they need to live out in their life? In scripture, the emphasis in leadership is always character. It's not just competencies. If you look at the, the overseer in the New Testament, 80% is on the type of person who you should be, not just what you should do. 
It's always character. But in our culture, most of the time, you focus on skills, how people can lead, the skills and experience they have. That actually doesn't matter as much as who you are. Leaders must be skilled, but that also follows the character. And so I just want to just share a few things that are on my mind related to this. The first is, and this is for all of us, uh, be on guard, uh, but not paranoid. So this can apply to your life in multiple uh, arenas. Uh, If you're a parent, how many of you are parents and you have kids at home? Okay. Uh, You actually, your role is to be on guard against predators related to your kids. And so uh, they do exist. We know this. But sometimes they can be closer than, than you realize. And so one of the things you just want to pay attention to who has influence uh, on your kid's life, uh, not just their friends at school, because most, you know, most of the time their friends, if they're younger, are probably not going to be full-blown predators yet. But who are they spending time with? What are the families of these people? You want to pay attention to families, your child spending time with families. If you're not there, what influence of those families do they have? Right? We, we don't think about this. We want to think the best. And we want to be on guard. And that's why I say, but not paranoid. But we do need to be wise. So you need to pay attention to these things. Another key area, if you're a parent, is you have to screen what your parent, what your, your kids are accessing on the internet, on social media. There's predators that exist in different chat rooms, in different forums to get the attention of your kids. It's real. You don't have to give in to fear, but you want to pay attention. So you need to have conversations with your kids. Like if they have a device, this device is actually not yours. This is ours. And because of that, we're going to consistently check for your protection so that we know that you're not giving in, being exposed to things that aren't helpful for your life. These are the kind of conversations we have to have in our world today. And so you want to be careful who they have access to, Physically in relationships, also, you know, screen devices. And if you're a young person right here, if your parents are doing that for you, uh, it's not to control you and to ruin your life. Um, it's to help you. And one of the things about predators is, especially when you're younger, most of the time you, you don't know um, how to handle them. And so God's given you parents and adults that love you uh, to guard against that in your life. And parents, that's the job we have. And so that, that's for, for family um, for church, uh, one of the things is just pay attention to who comes. We, we are a welcoming crew. We love people. But if you notice just people that seem a little bit off or they're, they're saying things that don't make sense or aren't good, just communicate with leadership. We have a, a safety team here at Ridgeview. We take this seriously. I uh, appreciate those who serve. Uh, they're, they're looking out uh, for, for our protection in here and for our kids. Um, this is real. And so that, that's the first. Just be on guard, but not paranoid. Isn't that a tension? You ever struggle with that? I want to be on guard, but I'm, now I'm all paranoid. And this is, you have to trust God with that. Uh, second, be careful of false doctrine. Um, I'm, I'm giving you permission. If you, you talk to somebody at church or uh, somebody's coming and they begin to talk to you and what they're saying doesn't sound right or it sounds off, um, come introduce them to me. And just say, I'd really like you to meet this person and smile. That's actually a helpful boundary and a guard. 
Because what, what happens is there's people that are coming there that are coming to a church to see, is this a place where I can gain influence and power? And our job is to guard against it. But most of the time, it happens not, they don't come to leadership. They don't come to the staff. They want to find out who they can kind of gain influence with. So be careful, uh, especially if they're speaking things that don't sound right. Again, they speak things that are false against the Lord. So you want to pay attention to that. If anyone comes with this like new idea that no church has ever thought of and a new method, be very careful. Because most of the time, most everything's been thought of. There's different methodology, but the doctrine of the Lord Jesus is set. There's not a new revelation, okay? And then I've already mentioned this a little bit. But the third is just inform leadership of a, of a concern. Uh, and I, I've listed some scripture, scriptures here, but one of the things that leaders exist for is, is to protect, is to act wisely, is to know the process. And so if you're just not sure, you know, just bring, bring it up. If you see something, you know, bring it up. Again, we have to be on guard. This is real. Does this make sense? Uh, the enemy, again, he, he doesn't play fair. He, he lies. He deceives. He actually sends people at just the right time to cause trouble. And our church will not be spared like that from that. And, and every church that's proclaiming the Lord Jesus will not be spared. That's what Jesus said and what Paul said. That's what God's word says. But we know that we have the power of God. We have his word where we can grow in wisdom and strength in the body. And so our unity as a church is very important against predatory fools. And so I just wanted to share, these are a couple of thoughts I have. If, if you'd like to talk about this more or you're not sure in certain situations, again, what we don't want is people coming, new people, and everyone just... You know, we don't want that. We're probably not in danger of that. But you'll, you'll for the most part, it's just, you'll, you'll, you'll know. And, and we, we work together and, and we welcome people. And, and again, our goal is not just to guard. Our goal is to guard and to share the gospel. And we want people to come to Christ. That's our goal as a church. So let me invite uh, Ben back up and the, the band as I give you just some next steps. Um, I do have a resource I'm going to mention in a, in a moment, but uh, if you're not yet a Christian, and we, we've spent a lot of times dealing with foolish tendencies, if you just feel stuck in your life and you recognize some of these patterns and you're like, I need to change, I want to change, and you, you can't change, it might be that you're not a Christian. It might be that you've never decided to surrender your life to the Lord Jesus. And so uh, let us know on the connection card. You can just write new Christian on there. Uh, you can, on the digital version, say, I, I want to decide to follow Christ today. And we'll follow up with you. We'll give you some resources. That's why we exist. We want to help people to change. You don't have to come to the Lord perfect. You can't be perfect. And you can't come to the Lord changed. You can't be changed. You come to the Lord, then he changes you. So let us know if you're not a Christian yet. We want to help you with that. And then I have a, a resource uh, which is called The Five Faces of, of Folly. And it looks like this. Um, most of this study that I've been sharing with you in this series was put together by Harold Bullock, a mentor of mine. He's a part of our network of churches. Harold um, is a brilliant man, very smart. And he decided he was just paying attention to how folly, the word folly and foolishness was showing up in the scripture. And so he began 
a study on it. And he began this study, and 11 years later, he finished it. That's the kind of man he is, just very thorough. And I don't know anywhere else that I found the resources that Harold has talked about, just these different foolish tendencies and these patterns. And so what I did was this is a resource that he created, and I just put it in a doc. But because of just the size of it, I didn't want to put it in a program, and I wanted it to be something if you want, you can get. So at the next step table, uh, here is a chart that summarizes the five fools plus the biblical approach. And then uh, on the top, it has the different areas where these things show up. So your different arenas of life. So how they make decisions, your words, your work, your finances, calamity, how you deal with trouble, attitude, how you function as a leader, as a follower, and then in your relationships. And so uh, this is at the develop and grow uh, table. And this is for you. You can just begin, like this is a lot of information we've covered. And so this just is a good summary. And you'll see uh, this just has the different fools right here and then the biblical principle uh, on top of that. And so if you want that, that will be at the, the next step table. I encourage you to, to check this out uh, because at least for me, it, it helps for me to keep coming back to the right categories. And you could look there and begin to ask, God, what are the things that I'm struggling with that I, that I need to focus on myself to grow in? Start with you uh, first. And then uh, the third, just pray for the growth and unity of Ridgeview. I don't know how much you pray uh, for the growth of our church or for the unity of our church. But if you could, if Ridgeview is your church home, begin to pray weekly for that, that God would grow us, he'd help us to reach people, and at the same time, he would keep us unified. And that is key to growth, a unified group. We, we're saying the same thing, believing the same thing, moving in the same direction uh, together. And so with that in mind, let, let me pray for us. God, I, I thank you for your word, which gives us the right categories to think. I thank you for the power that we have in Jesus to stand against things that are false. Uh, we have power to guard against uh, predators. We also have the power from Jesus to guard against the evil one, Satan himself. And so, God, what the enemy wants to use for our harm, you use for good. Uh, when things look bleak, uh, you make it hopeful. Uh, when we feel stuck, uh, you bring a new way and a, a way of growth. And so, Lord, we, we trust you. We don't trust in our own uh, understanding. And I do pray for our growth that you'll continue to help us reach people, people desperately in need of change and new heart that comes from salvation from your son, Jesus. But we also pray for our unity, God, that you'll band us together. And uh, we, we ask as your, your son just commanded that we'll be wise as serpents and innocent as doves, that we won't be paranoid, but that we'll trust in you knowing that you're doing a work here that is special and unique, but at the same time, we'll face opposition. So God, help us to be strong and courageous and bold in the things uh, of your kingdom, to not put our trust in ourselves or the things of this world. It's in your son's name I pray, amen.